Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Seriously, if you want to relieve stress, go to the Word of God. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's just so weird, isn't it? Yeah. People say stuff like that. I apologize for it. Are you kidding me? Let's all do baptism. And I have a little pool here and we'll all feel nice and relaxed. That's baptism. Mm. No, baptism is a sacred Christian rite. All the various yogas are sacred Hindu rites. Wake up, America! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. I was with LA County for almost 15 years. I worked in the Antelope Valley. Every single night was a night that you could get hurt depending upon how you conducted yourself and how you, you handled what your, your training. I remember telling myself, you know, like, if there's somebody dying, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to lead it to the Lord. My very first day, I was with my training officer. A call goes out on the radio. There was a motorcycle crash, and there was this kid. He was on a GSXR 1100. He hit this full-size car from behind, and he puts like this V-shaped dent up the trunk all the way to the uh, back of the, uh, the back seat. When we got up, all we saw was this strewn wreckage for like 100 yards probably. He was a mess. I pulled his thing back. He was alive. I could see him and he was looking at me like, please help me. Like, I don't want to die without saying a word. But he was there. And so I got this kid there and I'm thinking, I can't lead this kid to Christ. My training officer is sitting right there. If he sees me doing that, I'm going to come across soft. Over the course of a few minutes, I could just see his eyes start to, that dilation that he was... He was about dead. I just started kind of walking away. I remember telling my wife later, I'm like, man, that guy died and I didn't lead him to the Lord. And, you know, I felt like such a hypocrite and, you know, like God gave me the very first day to do something that I said I would do. And uh, I didn't do it. Resulting in a lack of assurance. This is Wretched Radio. That is John, one of the counselees in our new biblical counseling TV series called Transformed. A subject that is, in my estimation, the greatest malady in evangelical Christianity today, a lack of assurance. Transformed puts biblical counseling into the spotlight, revealing there's a biblical solution to emotional struggles. My question for you is this. If John, maybe it's not a formal biblical counseling setting, approached you and told you the tale you just heard when he was a police officer in Los Angeles, basically, he's feeling that he's a hypocrite because he didn't witness to a kid who actually died right in front of him. And he could have shared the gospel with him, but it appears that he had what? What, What was his issue? Where would you go? Well, you might explore something like a fear of man problem. He was afraid that his training officer and then all of his other police mates might think that he's a squish. And therefore, he didn't do what he had promised to do because of a fear of man snare. Question two, where would you point John? What would you say to a fellow named John? If he said to you, "Uh, look, I I feel like I've denied my Lord. That was a hint. I've denied my Lord. Maybe not three times. That was another hint. I denied my Lord. I'm not sure that I'm saved. Perhaps you could point him to Peter, who promised the Lord, the rest will deny you, but I'll never do that. And he did three times. And he wept 
bitterly. Would you end the story about Peter's denial there? Of course not. Then you would take him. You would take the person to Peter on the shore after Jesus has resurrected, made breakfast for the disciples and reminded Peter of his mercy and his grace three times. In other words, If you're counseling somebody who is lacking assurance because they committed a sin, you need to remind them all of your sins are forgiven. Yep, you biffed it. Weep bitterly. But you have a Savior who forgives to the uttermost. Biblical counseling goes for the root of the problem. But when it comes to the subject of assurance, before you can even begin talking about Peter, you can begin talking about any Bible verses put off, put on. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Before you get to that, it's really, really crucial that you discover one foundational truth. And that truth is whether or not the person actually has a conversion story That is credible. And here's why. Because if you're dealing with somebody who's lacking assurance, and let's just say you haven't asked, tell me your conversion story. Tell me your understanding about God. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? How do you think you're going to get to heaven? And if you discover it's a dog's breakfast, well, you can't go anywhere, and you certainly can offer them assurance. So the first place to start in biblical counseling with somebody who is lacking assurance is discovering as best we can. Is this person saved or not? This is Transform. John, like countless Christians, struggles with a lack of assurance. Dr. Gifford has established that John is indeed a brother in Christ who now needs help in discovering the why. Why is he lacking assurance? The first place to go digging for the causal root is to see if there is a besetting sin in John's life. And this is no easy task. Dr. Gifford now needs to walk a fine line between dismissing sin and assuring John that sin is not an automatic disqualifier of salvation. Why? Because sin for the Christian is not an if question. It's a when question. Hmm, What is the way to determine if a Christian who sins is a false convert or is just a struggling Christian? The answer is found in that adjective, struggling. If you're a struggling Christian, you're warring against it, you hate it. That's the one of the surest signs that you are saved. It's the one who says, I'm a Christian, whatever, I don't care. That's why you need to discover, is this person presenting a credible testimony? Because if you don't have that established, You're perhaps giving assurance where it doesn't belong, and you might have a tendency to gloss over what is probably a root problem, not in everybody, but probably a root problem in everybody who lacks assurance. Do you know what one of the major roots is? Dr. Dale Johnson just referred to it. Sin. there's There's a besetting sin going on. There's a struggle that is never ending, and it's causing the person to conclude, I must not be a Christian if I sin like this. Back to the Transformed Counseling Center with Dr. Greg Gifford. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, 
nor is the one who does not love his brother. John doesn't say whoever sins. He says whoever makes a practice of sinning, whoever keeps on sinning. If we're wrestling with assurance, we really have to pick up on this, this practice of sinning and keep on sinning. When we, when we isolate that to, here's, here's what our sin can tell us, you know, I sinned again, so I must not be a child of God. And does that perhaps describe you too? You think automatically a sin disqualifies you. If you have been seeing growth in your life, you have a change of affections, you recall being illuminated to understanding your depravity and God's amazing grace. You've repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ. We can have besetting sins. That's what Bob, the author of Hebrews, talks about. The, the, the sins that so easily entangle us. If that describes you, you're entangled in a sin and you are struggling with assurance You need to spend time examining yourself to see if you're in the faith. Check out your testimony. See if there's any fruit in any other area of your life. See if there's been any change of affections. And you might be confused about this. So you need, get ready for this, the local church. Talk to the people you go to church with. Do you see any change in me? Do you think I'm different than when I first arrived here? Have you noticed any fruit being produced in my Christian life? Let them help you so that they can rightly assure you that if you've repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Then you get to war against your sin. Then you begin battling sin confidently because you know that you're in Christ. Battling sin is really tricky when you're lacking assurance. It's as if the two are, are, are playing off of each other. I sin. I don't think I have assurance. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to battle against sin, but I'm not even sure I'm a Christian. That's a toxic recipe. Take the time. Work with your elders. Sit down with them. Explain what is going on in your life. Be willing to reveal besetting sins. Let them ask you questions like, are you warring against it? Do you fight? Are you seeing any victory in this area? You'll never guess what John's area was. Pornography. And I'll tell you, sir, if you if you are lacking assurance and you're looking at porn, I'm I'm never surprised. I'm just I'm not surprised anymore. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but if I get an email from a fella And he says, hey, I'm struggling with my assurance. And he can share his story and lots of details. And I'll send back a one-sentence question. Are you looking at porn? I can't recall a time when the fellow didn't say, nope. Porn is a besetting sin that leads to assurance because no sin so besmirches us quite like sexual sin. How do we get over that sin? How do we grow in assurance? Next on Wretched. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare? 
Affordable Biblical Health Sharing has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. But what do you know about Wretched TV? Hmm? Well, let me give you some facts. Wretched TV is daily. Wretched TV is 30 minutes. And Wretched TV can be found on 135 Christian TV networks. Wretched TV is also hosted by Todd. Wretched TV is also available on Roku, Amazon Prime, and Truly. If you haven't seen Wretched TV yet, it's certainly not because you lack the opportunity, because it's everywhere. Check it out today at all of the places I just mentioned or also wretched.org slash TV. And while you're at wretched.org, click the donate page and take a look at how you might become a monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. Neither Wretched Radio nor Wretched TV are possible without the support of our Gospel Partners. Wretched.org slash donate or you can also text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. And she met her baby on the ultrasound. She just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound. When a woman in crisis sees her baby 80 percent of the time she chooses life for just 28 dollars you could provide one of those ultrasounds but i would ask you how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide the more ultrasounds the more saved babies please consider what you can do at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched Books of the Bible The Apostle Peter wrote to the elect exiles who were facing persecution for the sake of Christ. Peter exhorted them to trust God and to continue living godly lives. He reminds them of their hope in Christ and their high calling. When you want to learn joyful obedience, no matter what your circumstances, look to 1 Peter. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Two words that might just help you overcome a besetting sin. This is Wretched Radio. These are two biblical words. They might sound a little bit shocking. Nevertheless, this is the way God sees sin. And if you see sin the way God sees sin, you are going to be far less inclined to desire that sin. Here are your two biblical words. Dog vomit. That's right. Dog vomit. That's how God sees sin. It's that repulsive. God hates sin so much he likens it to dog vomit. Now, I know dogs like eating their own vomit, but to us humans, we realize nasty business. And isn't it amazing 
how I'm telling this is what Jimmy, I think I've got myself a million dollar idea here. What this, is this is we're good, just going to cash in on this. Let's get it trademarked. And you and I are moving to the Bahamas. Absolutely. I'm trying, ready. Trying to think of someplace warm. <laughs> I'm not a beachy kind of person. You are because yeah. you're going to the beach. That's right. That's Have right. fun <laughs> to each their own. Here's the million dollar idea. An alarm clock that goes off like this. It's basically I would record a dog right before he's about oh, to oh, yak yeah, it yeah. up. That was my dog vomit impression. Okay, <laughs> I thought it wasn't that bad. I thought you could recognize it. That's a good idea because that would get me out of the bed. Oh, I guarantee you it does. When Charlie would do that, I'm telling you, it is as if our alarm went off. No, the dog's going to vomit. And then what do you do? Of course, you cup your hands underneath to catch it because you don't want that in the bed. Why? Because it's dog vomit. And that is what your sin looks like to God. And if you start seeing your sin like that, you're going to be less inclined to participate in a sinful deed. This maybe sounds a bit simplistic, but it's not. I've been pondering the article that we read last week on Wretched. I wish I could give the fellow credit. I can't think of his name. I I hadn't heard of him before. And he was talking about the ability to forgive. And he said something in the opening paragraph that caused me to stop and go, wait a second, is that true? That doesn't seem like a genuine response. He was talking about the person who is sinned against and struggles to forgive. He said forgiveness on the part of the one who was offended is an act of the will. Do you remember that? It's an act of the will. You simply determine, I'm going to forgive. Not only that, I'm going to forget. Not only that, I'm going to speak well of the person. Not only that, I am going to seek to make sure that this relationship is as healthy as it can be, of course, depending on the sin. That is an act of the will determining, this is the way I'm going to respond. And that will, by the way, addresses not only your actions, but your emotions. You're you're simply going to determine, I'm not going to do this. So with that thought in mind, you're tempted by a sin. Stop and look at the sin. It's your computer screen. It's a bottle of Jack Daniels. It's, it's, It's taking your feet to someplace you know they shouldn't go and say, here's what I'm looking at. I'm not looking at a computer screen. I'm looking at dog vomit. Do I really want to cut my hands and then drink it in? Do I really want to participate in dog vomit? That's my choice. Or I could choose to be obedient to Jesus. It's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? Because if you just see porn as boys will be boys or your temptation or you're kind of struggling, you're having some victory, but it's been four days now, you're probably going to keep losing. See sin as exceedingly sinful. If you if you don't like that, how's about... Five words, pus, from, and oozing, sore. That is how God sees your sin. That's what you're thinking about doing. That's your temptation. Hmm. Let's see if we can frame it God's way and then see if it's still a temptation for us. Rather than saying, I don't want to look at porn on my computer. Hmm, do I want some pus from an oozing sore? Because that's what it is. Now, here's the trick to this little exchange of thinking. It, it, it doesn't go that easily. 
because the dog vomit and the pus from an oozing sore loves to lie to you. Oh, no, I'm not that bad. You've had a long day. This has been a very difficult season. Your wife is not as loving as she really should be. It will lie. I'm not dog vomit and pus, please. And you might listen to that lie. Don't determine in your will, I'm going to start seeing my besetting sin as dog vomit and pus from an oozing sore. You're wondering how many times can I say this until we're all disgusted by it so that we see sin as that grotesque. Why would we participate in that when there is a better transformed is our new biblical counseling series, John? Got to give him props. Super likable fellow was a police officer in Los Angeles. He presented himself to us to be a part of our first season. You can be a part of. No, I think we've already got season two pretty much. But you could be a part of season three. (laughs) Actually, this week. We are going to be shooting a lot of Transform Season 2. The crew has already been out doing a lot of the meetings at people's homes, etc. But we're going to be in studio this week a lot producing Season 2. But you could be in Season 3 or you could be in Transform Couples, which is another series that we have kind of in the noodling stage. You're maybe struggling in your marriage. Just go to transform.org slash casting. Transform.org slash casting to see if you might want to be a part of of this show to help others and to receive 12 weeks of biblical counseling. Once we're done filming the episode, then we send you out to a biblical counselor for 12 weeks. And that's where the heavy lifting is going to take place, where you will spend a lot of time digging for the root of your problem. John had to work through his porn problem. Having heard a credible testimony, okay, the guy presents himself as saved, He's been walking with the Lord for 20, 30 years, but he's got this sin that's nattering away. And by the way, sin will tell you another lie. You commit a sin and it will lie to you and say, you're not saved. (laughs) You couldn't possibly be God's child doing that. Well, John had been experiencing that. So Dr. Gifford had to work through Here's a besetting sin. Here's what ongoing, unrepentant, willing, disobedient sin looks like. That means you're not saved, but that's not you, John. So now that we've seen sin, specifically pornography as a root, you got to take the ax to the root. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, that means he needs a filter on his computer. Yeah, I probably should. And that means he needs an accountability partner. Yep, probably should. But what it means is he needs to start seeing porn as dog vomit or the pus from an oozing sore. That's what he needs. He needs to see Jesus as so much better so that he desires him and not the dog vomit or the pus from an oozing sore. Root number two of John, because typically in situations like this, there are more than one root to the situation. Might this be one of your roots too? Perhaps you're like John. Perhaps you struggle to know that you're genuinely born again. Maybe it even terrifies you that you're not adopted into God's family. But may I tell you, it's good that you're terrified. False converts don't care to concern themselves with assurance. It's only the true convert that trembles at the thought of not being with the Lord for eternity. 
There's another route that Dr. Gifford is now going to explore with John that may be the cause of his lack of assurance, his view of who God is and what he says about us. In other words, theology matters. This is Dr. Gifford with John in the counseling session. I'm not here to say, John, you are, you're not that bad. Stop. I'm not here to say that. There are things about you that I don't know, things of your past that I don't know. What I am here to say is, this is who God is, and this is how he views his kids. The psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know what God says about you? He forgives your iniquities. What if I don't feel forgiven? God forgives them when you repent and you confess them. He crowns you with justice and wrath. No, that's not what it says. Punishment over my sin. It, it, it says uh, he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. There is this component of what God says about us when we go to his word. And it's interesting because maybe we would never verbalize it, but sometimes it's what we're, we're really wrestling with. Our perspective of us versus God's perspective of us. John's perspective of God was that he was a terrorizing ogre-like father. You sin, you get whacked. That theology needs to be righted. If you are in Christ, his steadfast love crowns you. Your sins, all of them, past, present, future, are forgiven if you are in Christ. Don't buy the lie. Instead, through an act of the will, stop when you're being tempted to believe you are no longer in God's family and say, no, I am determined the Bible is right. He has crowned me with steadfast love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. The cancel culture strikes again, this time going after Martin Potato Rolls. They've been canceled for, well, they committed the sin unto death, according to the left. Martin family reached into their own pockets of their personal money and donated some of it to Republican gubernatorial and Senate candidates in Pennsylvania, where the company's headquartered. And, well, you know, you can't support or be a conservative in this cancel culture age. Oh, and speaking of being a conservative today, I guess if you are one, then you're not following the rules. Who said there were rules to follow anyway? Well, that would be the President of the United States, of course, on his recent appearance on The Jimmy Kimmel Show. It's like you're playing Monopoly with somebody who, you know, won't pass go and won't follow any of the rules. And how do you ever make any progress if they're not following the rules? Well, you got to send them to jail. Yeah, it's a joke now, but I am afraid being jailed for being a conservative is in the future of this country. A lawmaker in California, and I'll let you guess his party affiliation, is pushing to have Drag Queen 101 added to K-12 curriculum. And this is the same politician that also introduced legislation to have California's sex offender requirements softened for sodomy with minors. And he's also behind legislation that allows biological males in women's prisons. 
You remember him? Yeah, he says that Drag Queen 101 and Drag Queen Storytime would be part of the new legislation he plans to introduce. And his obvious hatred for the safety of women and children will likely win out again. As for caring parents who would like to protect their children and keep them safe, there are new books you need to be on the lookout for. Part of the grooming efforts employed by those advocating for the harming of children have been sneaking sexualized LGBT propaganda into child book form into school libraries. And two more have been added to that list. Get ready for this. The hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. And if you're a drag queen and you know it. Those books take the popular kids' songs, The Wheels on the Bus, and If You're Happy and You Know It, and they change them to this sexualized LGBT ideology to groom kids. So parents, be aware, be informed, and keep your eyes open for the filth. A 15-year-old Christian girl told a Pakistani court last week that she was kidnapped and raped by the Muslim man accused of abducting her and forcibly converting and marrying her. The girl was eventually found by police, but the man accused is still free and on the run. Numbers say that at least a thousand females from religious minorities are kidnapped and forcibly converted and married every year in Pakistan. The country ranks eighth on the open doors list of places where it's most difficult to be a Christian. And as we tell you continuously here at Wretched, please make sure that you are constantly and fervently praying for all of our brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is teaching, the spiritual ability to explain and apply God's Word. A teacher studies to gain knowledge of the Bible, is equipped with wisdom to understand it, and is gifted with the ability to explain it to others so they can grow in God's truth and apply it to their daily life. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you don't like today's program, I promise you tomorrow's you will dig. This is Wretched Radio. Why? We're going to talk about the Southern Baptist Convention taking place in Anaheim, California. On Monday, they do all kinds of stuff. I don't want to get all SBC-like on you, but they do a bunch of stuff. The formal convention begins tomorrow and it is going to be fascinating four big subjects that we are going to be following the crt business of course the the southern baptist convention usually every when it when it takes place every other year there's usually one big issue this year for crt the abortion issue the sexual abuse report And the election of the president is going to be so fascinating to watch. We have a mole buried inside of the SBC who's going to be bringing us behind the scenes reports so that you and I can trash and bash pretty much everybody. Wait a second. That is not at all correct. This is a denomination, a convention that's struggling there in Christ We're in Christ. We don't want failure. And we don't want to be making somebody who's an enemy who isn't an enemy. A number of weeks ago, I was looking for this. Nice paper. Can you hear how thick that is? What what ministry sent me this? Because, huh, their paper budget must be massive. It was a quote from C.H. Spurgeon. Not to be confused with Charles Haddon Spurgeon, this is C.H. Spurgeon, who once said, Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. 
Anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. He attaches far more importance to godly fellowship than we do. Since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation. We need to be careful in these perilous times. We want to be contenders for the faith. We want to be those who mark those which cause division and avoid them. But we don't want to do it recklessly, and we don't want to do it needlessly, and we don't want to do it prematurely. That is why so often it's difficult for those of us who are right all the time. It's not an easy burden. I'm just telling you it's not. Agree. We like to see a situation and just boom, that's it. That's it. But there are times you just need to wait and and you need to let information come out. And if you don't get the information needed to make a biblical judgment, uh, then it's probably something you're going to have to put in your file cabinet and wait for someday when the truth is revealed. Last night, Mrs. Friel and I were chatting. We do that sometimes. And we were talking about a particular teacher that, um, let's just put it charitably, we're not thrilled with. (laughs) Just there's all kinds of signs and signals. And yet, and yet, nothing that has crossed the line into overt heresy, into some unorthodox on a cardinal doctrine tenant that is being violated. And and there are some people who are being really judgmental about the fellow, and some of it looks like kind of bad. And even though I'm not a fan of this particular preacher, I, I had to stop and go, okay, I see these accusations that are being made. I see that, but I, 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 I don't know. I mean, there could be some explanations. Now, we recognize if it's a mountain of accusations, it's pretty hard to imagine that there could be a valid excuse for each one of them. But we still need to know before we mark, before we divide. And the reason that I stress that is because of Satan. He hates it when we are together. That means he appreciates what fellowship does more than we do. And so we need to carry two different truths simultaneously, and this is not easy. You need to be a discerner. You must be a discerner. I know there are some people who have the spiritual gift of discernment. They they can just spot stuff toot sweet. But we are all to be discerners. We should be on the alert. Heresy is inside of the church, not outside, knocking on the door to come in. No, it just gets its way in, and then it just wrecks churches. It busts people apart. And the devil loves that because he knows that together there is a sweetness. We're reflecting God better who is living in unity. And that's why Jesus prayed for our unity. On the other hand, we've got the situation of we should discern. And yet we want to make sure that we are trying to think as positively as we can about the situation. Putting the best construction on something. That's hard, isn't it? Because on the one hand, okay, I've, I've got this tool that I'm supposed to use to discern, and yet I'm told, make sure 
that you're putting the best construction on it. Make sure you've got all the details. Make sure you let this thing play out. Make sure it's definitive because we don't want to prematurely break fellowship. And this is where it gets hard again, because sometimes you can kind of read the writing on the wall. I see where this is going. This ain't going to be good. And you could be right. But you still don't want to label somebody as outside of the camp until they're actually outside of the camp. And that can be really tough for us. There's a a number of guys that fit into that hinterland. On paper, orthodox, what they teach, just... But it's nothing heretical. Now what do you do? You can't label him a heretic. What do you do? I hearken back to a conversation that I had with Phil Johnson. I believe we were at the G3 conference together talking about this very issue. And I can't do it as articulately as Phil can, but he basically said something like, we need to find a category of just avoid them. Just just avoid them. Don't call them a heretic. Don't, don't break, if you will, Christian fellowship, but don't associate with Keep your distance. Don't consume their teaching. And it's that category that I tend to struggle with the most. Because when somebody's a true teacher, it's like, oh, they're a true teacher. When somebody's a false teacher, it's like, yeah, fine, I get it. That guy's a total hack and charlatan. It's these guys that kind of slot into, that makes it hard. But we need to do hard things as Christians. Why? Another quote from... Uh, John Sutcliffe, a Baptist minister in 1789, said, In the present imperfect state, we may reasonably expect a diversity of sentiments upon religious matters. Each ought to think for himself, and everyone has a right on proper occasions on proper occasions, to show his opinion. Yet all should remember that there are but two parties in the world, each engaged in opposite causes, the cause of God and the cause of Satan. That is a word to encourage us. Make sure that somebody is out of the camp before you divide with them. And I know that hinterland group, it gets pretty tricky. But recognize there is that hinterland because fellowship should be sweet. So we're going to be watching the Southern Baptist Convention. And... There could be an inclination for us to get pretty snarky. Not only is it a spiritual gift of mine. Jimmy, you ain't bad at it either, if you don't mind me saying so. Well, that's why I'm going on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) So we want to make sure that we do it lovingly, putting the best construction on everything, and yet trying to be rightful dividers of truth because we don't want to see the SBC split, do we? That would be very bad. The world would love it. Satan would love that. Let's be praying for, let's be cheering for the Southern Baptist Convention. And if I could, regarding the SBC, I think that we have a tendency to go, well, you're either conservative or you're liberal. In the SBC, I just don't think that that's accurate. Because I don't think anybody would say that their doctor, uh, their st- uh, faith and pr- doctrine on statement and faith and practice. What is the Southern Baptist? It's the, basically their statement of faith and practice. That's what it's called, right? Baptist faith and message. Baptist faith. Like I said, it's solid. It's orthodox. If they're adhering to that, you're not talking about, I don't know, an ELCA Lutheran. 
you're talking about somebody who is definitely bending conservative with whom you have a disagreement on some issues. And so as we go about the business of trying to follow the SBC, we're going to try our best to put all of the discernment rules that we are aware of in practice. You say, what rules of discernment? I say, if you don't know that there are any, you shouldn't be discerning. Because you will be like a toddler with a machine gun. You will make a hash out of things. There are rules. There are principles. There's levels of teaching. What is this? What about the person's life and testimony? Is this a one-off? Is this an ongoing thing? Has he made clear statements about this? What realm are we dealing with here? What level is this? All of those questions need to be considered before you go about the business of being snarky. Which we we might lapse and slip up on occasion, but you can tag us on that. Be praying for the SBC. The fun starts tomorrow. This is Wretched Radio. Okay, so I know it's June and Christmas is six months from now, but everywhere you turn at the moment, you're hearing about the supply line or delays with mail delivery. So we put our heads together here at Wretched and thought, you know, it might be a good idea to start Christmas shopping now. Write these dates down, June 17th through 19th. It's the annual Wretched Summer Sale that could possibly be the Wretched Christmas Sale. Those dates, most everything in the Wretched store will be marked down. All audio and video products will be 50% off, except trans. And all wretched curriculum also 50% off, except transformed. And our gospel booklet bundles will be drastically reduced as well. I know you don't want to think about Christmas at the moment, but we don't want to be those people. You know, the ones that say, told you so, when December rolls around and there's some kind of supply line, postal service, stimulus check, mask mandate, state of emergency happening, because we will be those people. So just take advantage of the wretched summer, maybe Christmas sale, June 17th through the 19th at the Wretched Store at Wretched.org. The situation in Ukraine appears to be a long and winding and rather scary road. Tomorrow clubs are still in Ukraine. There are still club leaders there. There are still Christians who are willing to help other Christians with the very basic necessities of life. Would you have the ability to help some of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine to simply receive the bare necessities i know that cindy marty is extremely grateful for your support there just are really no words to describe the gratitude that we have believe me the children and families in ukraine are so grateful thank you so much for your prayers and support tomorrow clubs still alive and well but dealing with the dangers of ukraine if you think that you could support some believers there please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched are we heading toward a dystopian society who decides what is good and evil who decides what truth is are there such things as fate or free will morals are we born with those or does the culture we live in inform them those are all really good questions and topics that we tackle daily on wretched radio and TV. Our goal has always been to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. And we're only able to do that with the help of our gospel partners.
Partners. If you are a Wretched Gospel Partner, thank you so much for your support, which has allowed us to create compelling, quality productions that catch the eye of unbelievers, but aren't so cringy they make believers blush. And if you aren't currently, would you pray about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel Partner? Help us continue to reach millions all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org slash donate, or you can also just as easily text the word wretched to the number 44321. Names of God We learn a lot about God from the names given to Him in Scripture. One name is Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. A good shepherd protects, directs, provides and cares for his sheep. Jesus called himself the Good Shepherd, who lays his life down for his sheep. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And another reason to be careful how we judge. This is Wretched Radio. Christians are to be judgers. You say Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judged. I say he certainly did in Matthew 7. But in John chapter 7, he said, judge with righteous judgment. That means judging is not in and of itself a sinful activity. You are doing it all day, every day. What am I going to have for dinner tonight? Do I prefer Zaxby's or Chick-fil-A? And we all know the correct answer is Zaxby's. You're making judgment calls constantly. So judging per se isn't a sin, but if you do it with a snarky attitude, with false motives, with a desire to harm, uh uh-oh, then you are judging sinfully. And we need to be, I think, in this era, probably more careful than in any other century in church history because of social media. And by the way, I think I've come up with a rule that might help you. The other day, I was dealing with a brother on an issue, and he he said something in an email that uh, bugged me. <laughs> it, it bugged me. And my inclination is just to go, <laughs> send. And it dawned on me, those email exchanges never go well. Those Twitter exchanges, they never end peacefully, do they? If you've got some sort of issue with a brother or sister, just, I know this is going to, you'll have to Google what this means, but call them. Use your cell phone for its originally intended purpose, a phone. Better yet, talk to them face to face. It will always go sweeter. It will always end better because this form of communication, we don't take the time to think. So my brother said something and I'm like, well, that got up my nose. I could send something back. And then I stopped and went, wait a second. Is that what he really meant? Was that what he was trying to? Could I interpret what I just read cursively, just skim on the survey? Wait a second. Let me just go back and reread that. Okay, wait a second. Well, sort of, but maybe on the other hand, he could. Now the email is going to be different. Hey, bro, got your email. Could you just clarify what you said for me, which is a whole lot different than the (laughs) that I wanted to send off. If you find yourself in a situation where there's a difference of opinion and it's happening on Twitter or it's happening on email, I think this is a pretty safe and helpful rule. Don't call them Instead, and these days, because we don't take time to think about what we're communicating, we don't take time to read any details. Do you read the stories? 
Do you ever, whatever your newsfeed is, are there a bunch of articles that are like, oh, this is, oh, this is, but you don't even read the article. You just read the rather salacious headline. And by the way, (laughs) oh, am I regretting this $4 that I spent to subscribe to the New York Times? (laughs) Haha, I knew you would. Oh, Jimmy, it's been driving me nuts now. (laughs) The, the, I, I, I'm not making a commentary on January 6th. That is, that's just not our bailiwick. That's that's not our realm of observation. But what's getting me about it is the New York Times, every single article, it just assumes that every single person that was involved in that bad day was a terrorist. So they angle everything toward, well, of course this was insurrection. Oh, it's so yellow. It's so slanted. It's so... Filled with deception and manipulation. And if that gets you a little bit annoyed, we want to make sure that we're not returning the favor to people that we either love and even those that we're maybe just not nuts about. An article titled, Tell Me Lies, Tell Me Sweet Twitter Lies. Never really cared for that band. But in the first and only major study of its kind, researchers admit Huh. Is it a baseball organization? The MIT thing? Whatever. Demonstrated that lies on Twitter spread much faster and reach more people than truthful statements. Ooh. False messages. This is really not shocking, but still kind of amazing. False messages spread on Twitter during the 11-year study reaching up to 10 times more people than true stories. With whether It just doesn't matter what it is. No. Obviously, you have to determine whether or not their assessment of what a true story is and what is a false story is right. But they've been judging to determine, is it is it more judgmentally type of stuff with bad attitudes or is it positive, upbeat, uplifting? You send out a tweet that's positive, eh, send out something that's and you're 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 going to get more people reading it. Boy, that's a temptation. Mm, YouTuber, because these days on YouTube, it's fascinating to study the YouTube subject because they have bots that are trying to make sure that you spend even more time on your phone looking at the YouTube machine. That's what they want. That's what drives them. And so they put up things that you are likely to consume. What are we likely to consume these days? Well, it has to have a thumbnail that's shocking. And it also has to have a title that is filled with conflict. Or curiosity, just what's going on with this? That's what gets people to to read or to watch. We know it here. And I know it from, we do it every day here when we're talking through issues like that. Let's be careful. We don't want to cross a line. There, there's one, for instance, right now. Now, you can actually say, freely across the line on this deal. We posted a video that was the 17 Thomas Brooks had a list of 12 signs of a false teacher. I had five more because Thomas Brooks, not all that bright. It was a list of 17 marks. And one of the clips in it was Ken Copeland, the billionaire. That's what he says about himself. The billionaire, although I've heard he's actually only worth 700 million. Yeah. So, He's worth a billion dollars. And do you remember that interview with him when the woman came into his airplane hangar? That's right. His airplane hangar as he's getting into his private jet. One of them. And he talked about Tyler Perry gave me this. It was so cheap. I had to buy it. And do you remember his eyes 
and how creepy that was. Okay, so for the thumbnail, we showed that picture and we actually used the word creepy because it was it was creepy. And I'm thinking it might be over the line. I could be right. I could be wrong. But at least we should wrestle with it because we don't want to besmirch. We don't want to wound from a Tim Khalees. That's how you say it in Canada. Tim Khalees. I love the Khalees bread. It's kind of that sweet Hawaiian-like bread. Excellent. (laughs) Don't be reckless with what others count precious. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, said Solomon. A good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. None of us, this is Charlie's now, none of us can deny that we've often been reckless with what others count precious. None of us can deny that we have often besmirched a name rather than honored it, diminished it rather than strengthened it. We've found greater joy in being harsh than kind. (sighs) His writing can be so annoying sometimes because that's so hard. Because you want to be speaking truth. And And by the way, There are some things that should cause us to be righteously angry. This whole, well, let's not get too upset because the children were slaughtered in the village. No, I'm going to get upset about the children being slaughtered in the village because that is abominable. We want to make sure that we don't whiplash into one ditch or the other. But maybe you, like I, have a bit of a struggle in at least visiting the ditch of kindness. We like to tear down rather than build up. We've begun rumors. We've spread gossip. We've fostered false impressions. We've believed untruths. We failed to love our neighbor as ourselves. It could be because of envy. It could be jealousy. It could be greed. It, it, it just could be that we just like it. And we do feel better about ourselves, don't we? I mean, you really do. I know. I know the sensation because there's been a couple of times when I've been judgmental about somebody. Are you, are you the one starting those rumors about me around here? Not all of them. Not all. <laughs> From Tim Challies. And so we slander them by fabricating what is false and malicious. We defame them by letting information stand when we know it to be false. We malign them by spreading rumors to others. We lie about them when we pass along information that is uncorroborated or exaggerated. We got to be careful in this social media age. The Internet is littered with this. And news articles, they... I don't know of a news source these days that just gives the facts, ma'am. They're all tainted. And therefore, we're participating in potentially wrecking somebody's name. And God sees a good name to be chosen rather than great riches, a good reputation more valuable than costly perfume. Mm, The tension. I want to be a discerner. I want to be a judger. I want to be a marker, but I got to be all these things, too. And I've I've got to remember that before I take a swipe at somebody's name, I better have really good grounds for it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, said Jesus. And we prove we've been recipients of mercy when we dispense it in turn to our fellow man. And while that mercy comes in many forms, hmm, it also finds expression in protecting another person's name. I better digest that a lot before tomorrow as we start peeking into the windows of the Southern Baptist Convention because I want to know what's going on. I think we all as Christians have an interest in this major denomination's activities at the convention. And I want to judge. I want to judge rightly, but I want to judge kindly too, generously when possible. 
because a good name is precious. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.